Hey, we um, had a Thanksgiving outreach this last week, and it was really powerful. And if you didn't know much about it, we there's a, a apartment complex that's close, and there are a bunch of Iraqi and Syrian refugees. And um, they've been brought to a foreign country, to our country. They don't speak our language. Most of them don't share the same religion that we do. Um, but how do you know that, how many of you know that Jesus didn't just um, stay within his borders? Uh, he went out to people. He went to the Jews, but he also went to the Sumerians. He went all over and he told us to go even further than he did. Uh, so uh, we have a picture. Can you show this picture of, I, I actually was able to meet a couple of these people and they're, they're wonderful people. We didn't really speak the same language and we didn't even believe in the same stuff, but these are some uh, new friends of mine. And here's what I know. I know that these people, they, they believe in a God, but the God that they believe in is not Jesus. And they're Muslim, and they're very devout in what they believe. And I know that Jesus died for them. Amen? And so it's our job, and as we, um, as a church, our job is to go out and to preach the word, not just to people who believe the same thing that we believe. I don't want to just preach to people who are going to nod their heads all day long, Right? That's, that's not what we're about. And that's really odd. <laughs> I can hear myself talking in someone's phone. Um, but we're going to continue doing these type of things because we believe that it is the call and the commission of Jesus to go into all the world. And so um, I, I was really excited about that. And I just want to let you know it went really well. Um, last week we talked about heaven and we've been in a series on heaven talking about what heaven's like, how it relates to us. Um, it's a lot of times hard to grasp what heaven is and how, uh, we can relate to heaven, this amazing place that one day that we will be. And, and the Bible talks a lot about it. And in Revelation last week, we talked about how there's gold in heaven and gold's actually like a lot of precious jewels that we relate to here on earth. Um, all of these things are building materials in heaven and not only are they building materials but it's very evident that they are all transparent in heaven and as we have these earthly treasures and they're described in heaven they're described never to show their own beauty they are only described to show the beauty and the glory of god in heaven who is there and so god's glory reflects through these treasures that we know here on earth but on earth the point of the treasure is the treasure to behold the treasure to look how beautiful it is but in heaven those same things are used not to just be looked at but to reflect past themselves those treasures are not a end they are a means to the end and the end is the light and glory of god so here on earth if we are going to to have treasures on earth that are also talked about in heaven here on earth as long as we allow God's light to shine through our money our cars our clothes our homes our jobs all the nice things that we have they will become more beautiful they will become more useful they will become more fulfilling in our lives because we've used them in a way that God has created them to be used which is to reflect his glory and his light to the world that we live in. And this whole series is really, it revolves around one verse. Jesus makes a claim that only he can make, and it's in John three thirteen. This is what it says. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. 
So Jesus, he lived in heaven before he lived on earth. And so in his 30-something years here on earth, he had a profound frame of his reality here on earth through a perspective of heaven. And so this was a major theme in the life of Jesus. And if it's a major theme in Jesus's life, I think we need to take notice. I think we need to make it a major theme in our lives as well. Because what I know is that the more heavenly that I become, the more earthly use I will be able to have. And so um, this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Dr. Luke. I always love um, reading the gospel according to Luke. Uh, There's the gospel according to Mark and Matthew and John. This is the gospel according to Luke, who's a doctor. And in um, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying, this is Jesus, he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say. Now this is what a lot of us call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, A couple of months back, we did a whole series on this. It's on our podcast. If you want to check that out, I really encourage you to go to our website, JesusChurch.life, and check out our our podcast on uh, Kingdom Come, talking about God's kingdom and how Jesus, he prays these specific things. But one thing that we understand is that this isn't supposed to be some verbatim prayer, which is the only way that we should ever pray. This is the only words that should ever be spoken when you pray is this prayer that Jesus um, taught his disciples. What it's saying is when you focus, when you pray, these are the things to focus on. This is your mindset. This is the perspective that you have. So when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What he's saying is, Think of God. Think of your Father, our Father. And where is He? Consider that He is in eternity. Consider that He is in heaven forever. And then think about how holy He is. Hallowed be Thy name. Think of how holy our God is. Just His name in itself. How holy that is. And then He goes on to this next part of the Lord's Prayer. And I believe it's so profound because what it says is, Thy kingdom come... Thy will be done. So it's saying, God, have your, the king come and his kingdom come with him. And then it says something else. It says, on earth as it is in heaven. He's literally telling us to pray to become portals that heaven would come to earth. And I really want to focus on these five words this morning, as it is in heaven. Now think about how huge of a statement that is. As it is in heaven. How how is heaven like? What is, is heaven like? And have you ever wondered when you're asking, because I believe that there's a lot of people who have memorized this prayer or have said this prayer before, and they'll say these words, but I don't think they even know what they're saying. They're saying, have it be in on earth as it is in heaven. Let heaven come to earth. But I don't think we even really understand the gravity of what we're trying to say or what we're asking God to do when we say these things. And going into back into Revelation where it talks about what is it like in heaven in Revelation 21. Um, I'm going to read a couple of verses, um, 10 and 11, 18, 21, 23, and then Revelation 22, 1. It says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of he- the heaven of God, from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, 
like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now this theme continues on in verse 18. The construction of the walls were of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. So there's this transparency, this clarity that we talk about that we see in heaven. And in verse 22, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each, each individual gate was made of one pearl. And the city, the streets of the city were of pure gold like transparent glass. Now remember, we're thinking around this idea as it is in heaven. And how is it in heaven? In verse 23, And the city had no need for sun or moon uh, to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. So Jesus, he illuminates eternity. Now in Arizona, that happens a lot. When I lived in Oregon, this was like so dynamic because it's so much different than having clouds every day and never getting to see the sun and not really having a lot of light. But in Arizona, we see the sun all the time, right? Which is amazing, and especially right now when it's so beautiful out and not 200 degrees. But and there are still times in Arizona where you can go into a room, shut the door, and experience a level of darkness. But in heaven, it's impossible to do that. For even the walls can't with, withhold the light and the glory of God. His light permeates even the, the walls or, or the doors, every square inch of heaven. That might freak you out and think, oh my goodness, I don't know if I want it to always be light. And let me tell you, you won't mind. You won't care because you'll have nothing to hide. You'll have nothing to be ashamed of. And you also won't need to sleep. You'll feel very rested, but you won't need to sleep. In Revelation 22, 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Proceeding from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And remember back in Revelation 4, 6, it says, And the sea of heaven was as clear as glass. Such an amazing description of heaven. And when we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we really saying? Well, right here, what it tells us is that there is a clarity. And the clarity has one sole purpose. And that one purpose is, is to make sure that the light of God can be seen through all things. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for heaven. God, I thank you for the hope of heaven. Lord, I pray this morning that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would uh, bless us as we um, dive into your word about heaven. Lord, I pray that this word wouldn't just be for us, Lord, but that it would permeate in our hearts, Lord, that it would become something that we can Um, bring to the masses, that we could bring to the people that you will bring and direct into our lives this week. Lord, I pray for pathways that are divine appointments, Lord, that every single one of us would be able to give the hope of your calling to somebody in this week to come, Lord. So we ask these things and we believe them and we expect them in your name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, Anyone here like to read? Yeah? Like to read? Readers are leaders. At least that's what I've heard. Um, you can be a leader if you're not a reader. That's cool. Um, 
I, I like to read. I like to read informative books. My son takes after me with that. Um, we're not so much into fantasy, except for a little bit, or, or books that are about some guy who's not real. Uh, we like to learn things. And so I like to read things. Um, if I want to watch a, something or hear something about a pretend story, I'll watch a movie. And I don't need to spend all that time reading. Um, but anyways, uh, one thing I do like to do is read the back of books. Does anyone like reading the back of books, like the synopsis? And sometimes they're long, sometimes they're really short, but they're duty or the point of a synopsis on the back of the book is to draw you in. It's something alluring or enticing, descriptive. Um, when I was in high school, I hated reading. I, I don't know about you guys, but in high school, like, you don't like to read. And my English teacher, she always made us read these books. And she also liked to do public shamings. Um, and what I mean by that is she would have us read a chapter like of Mice and Men or, a, or some Great Expectations or whatever book we we're in. And then she would ask us questions the next day about that, that chapter. And if anybody was called on and they couldn't answer the question, it was a pop quiz for everybody in the class. And so you just felt this shame and this like fear that if I get the question wrong or I didn't, it's actually pretty smart, a little manipulative, but um, it, it really worked. But I still didn't want to read. And I was like, well, forget that. And I'd actually brag about not reading the chapter because what I would do is I'd take the book and I'd read the back of the book and I'd read the title of the chapter that we we're on. And then they would call on one person and they would start to give an answer. And by two or three people in, you could sort of make something up and, and make it really sound good. Like you were really reading that chapter. And so I would brag about my ability to do this and sort of lie which I don't know why I'm telling you that I was a liar as a kid. But um, one week, we were in the first chapter of the book, Lord of the Flies. And um, I was actually the first person called on. And I hadn't even got the book yet. And so I went into this panic mode. I didn't read the back. I didn't even have it. So I panicked. And what I said was, um, well, my dad has a religious issue with this book. And so I'm not allowed to read it until he does further research on that. How terrible was I? I panicked and I didn't want to be shamed. So then I go home and I brag to my dad about how I did this. And he doesn't even know what to do with that. Like, he's like, you're like confiding in me, but you're telling me that you lied and you used me to do it. And okay. And he said, I don't want any part of this. Uh, whatever. Like, just I'm going to pretend I, I didn't even hear that. The problem was that the teacher went to our church. And so <laughs> I didn't think that far ahead. I was just in panic mode. So of course, my dad runs into my teacher and my dad knows what's going on. And so the teacher goes to him and says, um, so what are you thinking about this book now? Have you had a, have you come to a verdict? Because I'm really, really concerned. And uh, it all fell apart from there. And she was also my history teacher. So public shamings for the rest of my high school career in her class. I was friends with her son. And so I never heard the end of it. But if I could have only gotten the back of the book and read it. And it's amazing what you can learn from a synopsis, from a good synopsis. synopsis. Um, 
What if the Bible had a synopsis? Can you imagine? Like, I, I think it would be really cool if you had on the front the Bible and then you flipped it around and there was something on the back that was alluring and draw you in. And, and so I've been thinking about this this week. And what would my synopsis be of the Bible? And, and as I was thinking about it, you know, you could do something like uh, the greatest love story ever told or God comes to man or God's love through Jesus. And yeah, yeah, that's great. But it's not really the alluring. Enticing. So I was really thinking about it. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to figure out what's a really good synopsis. What would really draw people in? And I think I figured it out. And, and so this was really exciting to me. And you guys might not even care, but I thought it was really fun. And, and so I think you could really sum up the whole, whole Bible in just one phrase. It's luring. It's a dece- or descriptive. It's enticing. So here it is. You ready for it? The Bible on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? Yeah, maybe? Maybe? I don't know. Okay, sweet. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But the truth is, this is what God's whole plan is. This is God's, this, this idea of heaven invading earth. And if you look from the very beginning of time, you have the first few chapters of the Bible. And what do you see? You see paradise. You see the garden of God and God walking with man. And then sin comes in and compromises the planet. And ever since then, we've been in this redemptive state and this redemptive process that's trying to get us back to that place of being in paradise with our God and Father. But until that day, we live in this fallen world. We live on this planet, and we are called to be portals of heaven to earth. And so Jesus, he tells us to pray. And prayer is really supposed to look a little bit like this, like like that, or like, like, like that. Just from heaven invading earth and and the first thing and the primary thing that we're supposed to request from god is allow heaven to come to earth let this happen let this be and jesus says well thank you for asking god says thank you for asking i choose you (laughs) i choose you to do that He chooses me to do that. He chooses all of us. He chooses his church to do that as it is in heaven. It should frame every single thing that we do. This idea that earth needs to be like heaven and it's up to you and I to see that come. That's God's given us that ability or that that commission in life to take heaven and bring it to earth. And the only way that happens is if everything that you and I do is framed in this idea of heaven and that earth earth heaven needs to come to earth so our marriages they should reflect heaven coming to earth the way you talk to your spouse the way we talk to our kids should be heaven coming to earth the way that we parent should be heaven coming to earth our attitude the way that we see life it should be the way we interpret things should be heaven coming to earth our workplace our bosses how we relate to our co-workers Everything we do should be phrased and framed by this phrase, as it is in heaven. Can I tell you, even your struggles, even our struggles should be framed from heaven to earth. Because the light of eternity reflects through everything in heaven. And God's saying this is the way it should be in earth as well. And so the million dollar question that that we have to ask is, how is it in heaven? In other words, what is heaven all about 
In heaven, there are these jewels, there's pearls, there's golds, there's mountains, there's trees, there's lakes, there's rivers. It's amazing streams of crystal that you can see straight through. In other words, there's all these things that we on earth enjoy. And so I believe we're supposed to enjoy them in heaven. And while we're on that subject, um, if they are in heaven and we enjoy them here on earth, why would we not enjoy them in heaven? Why would we not enjoy them here on earth? We're supposed to enjoy them now because they're going to be in heaven one day for us to enjoy as well. And But the weird thing is all, there's so many people that will try and make us feel bad for enjoying these things here on earth. Why? Why, why, why should, if it's going to be in heaven for me to enjoy, why can't I enjoy it here on earth? And if anybody ever like gives you a hard time because you got a new car or because you went on a vacation, just go up to them and say, well, I'm acclimating to heaven. So just get off my back. But we, we should be able to enjoy the things that we have. But please consider the nature of every single thing as we see it in heaven that reflects the glory of God. It is not a means to itself. It is a means to an end. The rivers are crystal. The oceans are glass. The gold is transparent. The jewels, you can see right through them. Every single thing that we see as we pray for it to be on earth as it is in heaven on earth, it has to reflect in the same way that it reflects in heaven. So all of these things, they're good. Even gold, it dares not make it about itself, but becomes transparent so that the glory of God can be seen through it. So it is now, like you and I and everything that we treasure or value, is now a facilitator of God's glory. See, in the New Testament, there isn't a single place where it says possessions are the enemy. The problem is when your possessions become your possessor. And when that happens, that's the enemy. Because stuff is never the problem. It's how we use it. And so Jesus, he ties in these ideas of earth and eternity. And last week in the Sermon on the Mount, we read in Matthew six nineteen and 20, it says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Don't stockpile things here on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where there is no moth, there is no rust, there are no thieves. And then he makes this amazing statement, and he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are ideas of heaven. And and the idea is, why in the world would you want these things to be your treasure when you have the treasure of the ages in heaven? And even your treasure can become more beautiful if it reflects the, the, who God is. And, and then he continues on, and that's where we stopped last week. But I want to continue on to what he says, because the next couple of verses, the context, Jesus, remember, is talking about heaven. But then there's this sort of, it seems very random, he starts talking about eyes. And you're like, why are you talking about eyes? You were just talking about heaven, and now you're talking about eyes. And the context is heaven, but it sort of throws us off, and we start to think, well, this is an odd teaching that you just like, are you like ADD Jesus, or, or what's going on? Because you need Ritalin? That's heretical, so I wouldn't say that. But um, this is what it continues on saying in Matthew six twenty-two through 23. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, these are usually the verses that the church in general will use to say, don't lust. 
And while we're on the subject, don't lust. And absolutely, that's a, that's a good thing to remember. But that's really not all that these two verses are about. Because Jesus was just talking about treasure. He was talking about your heart. And he's talking about eternity. He was talking about heaven. And so when Jesus, he says, your eye will be good. What he's saying is that your whole life, your whole body will be illuminated by light. Now that word in um, Aramaic, uh, the word good, it means single, it means clear, and it means simple. So what is the saying, what Jesus is telling us here, after the context of talking about heaven, talking about not allowing it to be about treasures on earth where things are destroyed, but put your treasures in heaven, where what happens? The light of God illuminates through them. Now he's talking about our bodies. And he says, if you allow the light of God, and then it says this word good, which means single, clear, and simple. What Jesus is saying here is if you allow your focus to be single, if you allow your focus to be on Jesus, then the light of that truth will illuminate through your entire body. And just like the treasures that we see the light of God illuminating through, your life will be so much more beautiful. Your life will be so much more fulfilling, meaningful. You'll have so much more purpose. You will have light, purpose, peace, righteousness, joy. We'll be a whole person if we allow our focus to be single. You see, this verse... A lot of times we'll, we'll make it something that it's really not supposed to be, even though the concepts are good. This verse is truly a microcosm of heaven. Because in heaven, we know that the streets, the walls, the water, the foundations, they are all clear and they are all have a single purpose of reflecting the light of God. This is an as it is in heaven type of verse. And Jesus is saying, I want your body to function like eternity. I want you to focus on me. And if you focus on me, I will illuminate through your entire structure just like I will in eternity. And he goes on, and when it says, but if your eye is bad, the word bad means not single. It means complicated. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light in you is darkness... How great is that darkness? Now, the context of this is he's talking to Jewish people. Jewish people did not have a simple faith. They had a very complicated faith. They did not have just a single focus. They had thousands of rules. These were religious leaders who really, they made it about them. They made it about what they could do. They made it about how they could do works to get themselves into heaven because they obeyed every single law. So they were good enough on their own. And this is what we call legalism. And so Jesus says this weird sort of confusing phrase. He says, if therefore the light in you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? And you're like, wait, how is light darkness? I think Darkness is the absence of light. So what is he talking about here? But remember, he's talking to Jewish people and he's referencing the Jewish mindset. He's saying, if you think that you are living in light by the things that you are doing, 
then that is not the right thing at all. In fact, that is legalism, which is actually the absence of needing God or needing Jesus. And if that is what fills you, then you are filled with darkness. For you can never do it on your own. You can never be good enough. If you think your discipline, your devotion, your good deeds, if that is the light that you feel is going to illuminate your body, then it is nothing like heaven. It is nothing like where you're going to be. It is what you're here on earth, and it will never be good enough to get you as it is in heaven. And Jesus is just saying, focus on me. Let your eye be good. Let your eye be focused. Let your eye be single in clarity. In Matthew 6, this famous verse that is coming up right after this, 10 verses later, it's a famous verse that says, but seek first the kingdom and the king, the kingdom of God, and whose righteousness? His. We are to seek his righteousness. And then Jesus says, oh yeah, and you'll get all of those things too. All of these things, yeah, they'll be added to you, but please be single-minded. Seek after his righteousness, not your own righteousness, not legalism, not trying to do things in a way where you're good enough on your own, but be single-minded, focus on me, come to me, meditate on me, keep it clear, keep it single, keep it simple. Remember in Matthew 5.20, this is leading up to this. This is what Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven because you have nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. It's all about you. Your light is all about you. And Jesus is saying, I've been in heaven. I frame all of my life based off of what I have seen and experienced and know about heaven. And in heaven, everything reflects God. If your body is full of your own righteousness, then you'll never make it into the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, it was self-righteousness. And right before this, in verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in verse 16, he says, Your, so, your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So our good works are not to glorify ourselves. And Jesus is talking to people who have lived a life so that their good works glorified them and not the king. So if your light is darkness, how great is that darkness? You will illuminate yourself, but you won't be functioning as it is in heaven. So how are we to live then? Are we supposed to do good things? Absolutely. Are we supposed to have good things? Definitely. But our life, our meditations, and our purpose, it has to be clearly about him. In Romans 5.17, it says, For if by the one man's offense death reigns through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, the gift of righteousness from Jesus, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. It has to be about him. 
Jesus is pleading with us, let it be simple. Let me be your focus. You don't have to focus on this and this and this and this and this. Those things will happen and those things will come. I will give all of those things to you. You will be able to have um, discipline and you will be able to have um, focus and you'll be able to have all these things, but only if you allow yourself to focus on me. Because the moment you start focusing on those things instead of me, your light will become darkness and you won't be functioning in the way that I've called you to function. See, Christianity, it can't just be for those who can make things happen. Christianity and our, or what we believe in in Jesus can't just be for those who can memorize verses and pray like uh, a 5 or t- 10, 15, 20-minute prayer, or if you can be disciplined enough or, or whatever, read your Bible enough days in a row. It can't just be about that because what will happen is people will walk in these doors and they'll see who we are and what we're about. And if we're about just doing things, they'll come to church and they'll think, I can't fit in here. I can't do this. And they'll walk away. Jesus preached the gospel to prostitutes, to thieves, to robbers, to blue-collared fishermen. And the reason he, he preached and the reason people were drawn to him is because he just said, come to me. He didn't say, get your stuff in order before you come. He didn't say, you have to have X, Y, and Z done before you can sit in these seats and you can hear what I have to say. He said, just come to me. Because it's simple. Just have one focus, and all these other things will happen. It's amazing. When I was reading through this and studying, I I came across uh, Galatians chapter 5. Now, Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you notice in Galatians 5, 22, uh, there's actually nine things noted here. But what we think about a lot of times when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, if you've been in church for any amount of time, fruit of the Spirit is we think about disciplines, we think about devotion, we think about giving, serving, uh, living, this amazing life. Um, but interestingly enough, as I started reading it, I've always thought of it as the fruits of the Spirit. But it never says the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And you might think, well, that's a plural word. Well, when you look um, at it, fruits is when there are multiple fruits. Bananas, apples, tangerines, oranges, pears. But when it's fruit, it's single. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. There's no plural. In fact, right before this, in verse 19, it does use a plural, but the plural is used in reference to works. So we have the fruit of the Spirit, and we have the works of man. Because the fruit is single. The fruit shines the clarity to Jesus. Our works are complicated. Our works are uh, innumerable, innumerable. They have no end. And we'll never come to a place where, that, where we're enough for that. And, and as you read about the scholars and what they believe is this fruit that it's talking about is love. What does the Bible say? It says that God is love. And the other eight are qualities of that one, of the fruit. We're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit is God. The fruit is Jesus. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, then dwells in every single one of us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, So many times, you and I, we want 
it to be about the works. So we'll even translate it into the fruits because I have to work on my love. I have to work on my joy. I need to work on my peace, my long suffering, my kindness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my, my self-control. I feel like I've got to get these things in order. I need to make sure they all work. And Jesus saying, no, 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 no. That's not good. Are those things good? Absolutely. But if you would focus on Jesus, not only will you get love, but you'll get all the other ones as well. Because, yeah, I could look and I could really try and focus on faithfulness and get really, really good at faithfulness and say, I'm going to nail faithfulness for this week. But what Jesus is telling us is if I just try and look at all these different things, I'm missing the one who can make all those things relevant in my life. Focus on Jesus. Be single in your clarity. Allow the love of God. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Could we just look to Jesus? Could we stop trying to look to good things in our mind, faithfulness, love, joy? We could look to all those things, but we have to look unto Jesus and all of those things will be given to you because that's how it is in heaven. It's not about joy. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can give you true joy. I mean, I, I think there, there's a statement that John the Baptist makes in John 1, 29. And I think it frames all of eternity. And I pray that this could be the way that I see my life and the way that I live my life. John, he, he's got this ministry going and he's focused on his ministry. But Jesus shows up. He steps into the picture. And this is what John says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, this is how I think that we should all live our lives. This is how it is in heaven. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's not so much about going to church, even though that's good. It's not so much about the gold or the pearls or the jewels or the mountains or the seas or the lakes. It's about, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I can enjoy these things, but they have to reflect who Jesus is. Could that be the way that we live our lives? That when things come up and, and we have storms, it's behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I can see through that storm because Jesus is through it and his light will reflect through my life. It will not be darkness. It will be light and it will be as it is in heaven. I just pray that this week, every single one of us, when you come into situations, when you see things in your life that you enjoy, things you don't enjoy, whatever it might be, that we think, can I live with that as if I was in heaven? And is God's light reflecting through it to the world that I live in? Because when we allow that to happen, then we are fulfilling the prayer that so many of us have said so many times. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me?